0: The issue of Physician Assistant Specialty Certification and Recognition is a very complex one. PAs are required to take a recertification exam every six years on primary care medicine. With nearly 70 percent of all PAs working in 60 different specialties, many PAs question whether this test is an effective tool to predict their medical competence, while specialty PAs continue searching for a way to show their clinical expertise. The future of PA certification and recognition. You're listening to ReachMD XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, your host, and with me today is Janet Lathrop, President and CEO of the National Commission on Certification of Physician Assistants. Today we are discussing the Physician Assistant Specialty Certification. Hi, Janet. Welcome to ReachMD. Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. Janet, let's start by defining the difference between specialty certification and specialty recognition.
1: The difference between specialty certification and specialty recognition, in my mind, I guess, is a difference of what you're calling it. If we, if we go with recognition, it's similar to our surgery exam, where we used to award a certificate of recognition that didn't have an expiration date, where, in my mind, certification would be more like a high-stakes credential.
0: In, in early February, the National Commission on Certification of Physician Assistants issued a public statement assuring PAs and PA specialty organizations that it is continuing to develop some sort of credentialing process for PAs and specialties. And that was awfully vague. What does that mean for a PA who's currently working in a specialty?
1: Well, I I think it's purposely vague at this point, simply because this is very much a work in progress. But for the PA working in a specialty, the PA, particularly the PA who's being asked for documentation of qualifications to work in that specialty. This to me says, you know, we're, we're in your corner. We understand that you may be facing a challenge and that your national certifying board is working to figure out the best way to help you.
0: Is the NCCPA working on a plan for specialty certification recognition or both? Exactly. What form of the,
1: the new specialty credential will take is still up for discussion with an organization. We have a task force that's looking at this issue. And, and hopefully if they carry out their charge, we will have an answer by the end of this year.
0: Do you think that any specialty changes will have an influence on the current generalist PA certification process? No, I don't. I believe that the generalist certification process is the bedrock of the physician assistant profession,
1: and we will work very hard to maintain that generalist nature of our certification.
0: And is NCCPA working with the AAPA on this issue? Yes. Yes. We are absolutely working with them. They actually have a senior staff member, Greg
1: Thomas, who's working with our committee. He's part of our discussions. He's at every meeting. We also have listened to as resources and other you know, people of, in a special area of expertise. We've listened to them as a work group. We've had them join the work group and, and provide us with additional information. We've had a very open dialogue with Phil Lineweber, the AAPA CEO, and other leaders about what we're doing and thinking in this
0: area. So several PA specialty groups, such as the cardiovascular PAs, have a very strong opinion. They've been under considerable pressure by state regulatory agencies and the hospitals they work with to prove competence in their field. And how does the NCCPA support them? For me, that's really what this is about to a very large degree.
1: In addition to working with AAPA, we've also spent a considerable amount of time over the last three years talking with the cardiovascular PAs and a number of others who have the same kind of interest in our work in this area. Back in 06, we brought PA and physician groups together to meet with us, and on more than one occasion, we've traveled to meet with other groups individually. We're trying to seek an understanding of the needs of and challenges facing the PAs in the different specialties. Will there be a solution that makes everyone happy? Of course not. There's always a public interest to keep in mind, and we'll be working with as many PAs and physician organizations as we can to make sure that the process or processes we developed are as relevant, meaningful, appropriate, and
0: affordable as we can make them. So many of the specialty organizations have worked with their hospitals, and they've started creating their own competence procedures. And it, it seems like the PA profession is, is always moving forward, and we're waiting for our supporting organizations to start helping them. Why do you suppose that this is taking so long? It, it seems like the CVPAs have been have been discussing this for a number of years now.
1: You're right, and they have. And, and I can only speak for NCCPA. But for many years, our position was that we didn't want to be a force driving the course of the profession instead we wanted to wait for the profession to reach agreement you know on what it wanted particularly in the area of specialty certification or recognition and with it being such a complex issue this has been difficult for us a few years ago though we reevaluated the issue from the perspective that our primary stakeholder the group we serve above all others which is the public we looked at it from that perspective and it, though it's still just as complex Once we started viewing it through the public's eye, it became clear that we couldn't just continue to wait for the members of the profession to reach an agreement, that we had to take the lead on this again. But again, we are doing it in a very inclusive way.
0: And what is the role for the NCCPA in that situation? You guys aren't really the decision makers. You you monitor the PA profession testing and credentialing. So is it the AAPA that's supposed to make the decision and then bring it to you to monitor it or come up with a plan to monitor it? no i I do think that that's the nCCpa's role i
1: I guess as the certifying body for the profession. certainly, we want to listen to what i mean i I believe that the professional organization knows best what's good for the profession or at least it should and you know they hear from the members and I think we have to take information from all different sources the, the APA and all the individual specialty groups, assess it and and then make a determination at what is best for the p a to some degree, but again, more for our responsibility to the public and the
0: patient. So who do you think is pushing for this change? Is it the PAs? Is it the public, the hospitals, the physicians? You know, I think it's all of them to varying degrees. Some
1: PAs are, are asking for help. They're apparently losing job opportunities because they don't have a piece of paper or something that says they can perform specialty work. The public, principally through consumer interest groups, has challenged old ideas about quality assurance and confidence in healthcare. There seems to be a swell of interest in more rather than less these days.
0: And how much of this do you think has to do with hospital privileges? Hospital privileging is definitely a big part of the equation here. It's a great deal of the challenge to PA
1: credentials is coming into play. It's not just in the hospitals. And again, you know, the question of exactly what form this
0: credential will take and what it will be called is still an active discussion. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on XM 160 the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Janet Lathrop, President and CEO for the National Commission on Certification of Physician Assistants. Today we are discussing PA specialty certification. So, Janet, specialty recognition appears to be the middle ground. Do you think that's where the PA profession is headed first?
1: I don't know. I mean, I think that specialty recognition will be sufficient possibly for hospitals and regulatory agencies. We know that that specialty certification is seen for the most part as a higher standard or different standard. So one of the questions I think we have to answer is whether taking the the half step and doing what might be good enough for some for now is the best way to go. We, again,
0: haven't reached a, a conclusion on that yet as well. If you do specialty recognition, is that sufficient for the regulators and the hospitals? I certainly hope so, because
1: it's one of the biggest reasons we're doing it. I would have to believe it would be.
0: So one of the largest cries we hear from PAs regarding credentialing is that it will impair the PA's ability to move from specialty to specialty. Do you see that as a problem? I suppose it could be. I mean, but it, in my mind, it could also work the other
1: way. You know, it's easy to imagine that having a specialty credential in one's pocket would make it easier to change
0: specialties
1: yes, you'd have to jump through some hurdles to get the credential, but that could be the easiest way for someone to make a change.
0: Let's talk about the current testing. New graduates are entering specialties straight out of school, and they're never working a day in a primary care setting. I hear often them saying, is it fair? Does it make sense for them to take a generalist exam every six years?
1: Yeah, and you probably we probably even hear it more from the practicing PA who's been delivering babies for 25 years, you know, how unfair it is to go back and learn DERM or, to, you know, just to remember, to, to have to reteach themselves. But the reality is that the generalist exam will always be the bedrock of PA certification. Maybe one should never say always, but I
0: can't foresee a time when all PAs won't take a generalist exam. Well, if specialty certification does come about, what kind of consequences do you think this would have on the PA profession? Well, obviously, from our perspective, I mean, we see this as a positive thing. But, you know, we
1: believe that it better positions PAs is a key part of the answer to the shortage of providers that, that's plaguing so many corners of the U.S. healthcare system. We see PAs as an answer to the need for affordable, accessible, high-quality healthcare, and that we can equip them with the credentials they need to work in, in both primary care and specialty areas. That's very critical. We see it as a very critical job for NCCPA.
0: Tell us about how the certification process has changed over the years and your involvement in those changes.
1: Well, the certification, pro- for the most part, has is, is kind of stayed the same. I mean, we've always had the exam, we've always had the CME, and probably the changes, to, other than the elimination of Pathway 2, which was our alternative to taking the proctored PANRI exam. Uh, That'll be eliminated, uh, the last administration in in 2010. Probably have been the most significant changes. As the board continue to look at maintenance of certification and and work the competencies and in general, it is possible that in the future
0: we may see some changes to the process. Tell us about the practice-focused exam.
1: The practice focus exam is rolled out this year for the first time. March was the first month we gave it, and it's a additional practice-focused areas, I think we have three that we, I should know these, that we added on as an option for the recertifying PA to take. So in other words, they would take their generalist piece and then they would be able to add on more generalist questions in a practice-focused area. The idea being if they're in surgery, that you know, adding a percentage of extra surgery questions would help them take a more practice-focused examination.
0: And then would you get any kind of recognition for that extra practice focus portion? No, as of right now, it's general certification with the generalist C. So what would be the benefit of adding on the extra portion? I guess stomach
1: comfort. One thing I can, I can see as a PA, I mean, I'd, I'd rather take more questions in my area and feel that I have, have a better chance of passing the exam probably
0: is the biggest plus for PAs. So there are still many people, at PAs, that don't really understand the role of the NCCPA. Could you just give us a little bit of a history and explain what your role really is?
1: Our role goes back to our mission, really, which is to ensure that practicing PAs meet standard acceptable levels of knowledge. I think we are kind of the de facto licensing exam because our initial examination, the PANTS, is required in all states for licensure. And also relicensure really, in 23, I think,
0: 26 states. So I guess I see us as kind of the regulating organization for the profession. And where did the NCCPA come into the PA profession? Back
1: in the 1970s, we were originally formed and worked kind of under the National Board of Medical Examiners, and in the late 70s, incorporated and branched out on our own. How have things changed well, they've changed a lot, in my opinion, from an operational perspective. We have, for 30-some-odd years, we relied on the National Board of Medical Examiners to help us develop and administer our examinations. And recently, about two years ago, we brought everything in-house. So now we do everything. We do our own development of our blueprints, the practice analysis, the blueprints, our test questions. We house them here. We create our forms here, and we administer our tests through the Pearson View site. So we've grown significantly. While most of our products really haven't changed, we have grown operationally significantly
0: over the last 10 years. I think many people don't realize the commitment that the NCCPA really has to the PA profession. And I just wanted to bring up that in 2007, the NCCPA received the Georgia Oglethorpe Award for Performance Excellence. And I'd like to give you the opportunity to tell the listeners what that means.
1: Well, thank you, because it is so exciting. And this was our desire to have a third party recognize all of our hard work. For so long, for the last five to seven years, we had implemented process improvement, tried to do things differently, tried to save money, tried to cut back so that we wouldn't have to raise fees. We haven't raised fees in almost 10 years. And we were able to do that by just refining our processes through the Six Sigma process. And and we realized, boy, you know, we've really done amazing things here, but we can say it all we want in our newsletters and to PAs. And, you know, it would be so much better to have a third party come along and kind of validate what we've done. So we were actually going to go for the Baldrige Award, which is the National Award of Quality Excellence. And we realized that the better step would be to get your state award first, so we applied for that as you said, in '07, and we won it, and we were the first organization ever to win on their first try, and I think the 2nd nonprofit, and that felt good. And now, actually, we'd, we'd like to go for the Baldrige. It's kind of on the
0: horizon for us. We'll see what happens with that. Well, thank you, Janet, for coming on the show. Thanks, Lisa. I enjoyed it. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on MD XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.